Before we get to episode 185, I'd like to ask for your support of the I Can't See You podcast. Whenever you shop at Amazon, please use my affiliate link. That's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. That will take you right to the Amazon.com homepage. Shop as you normally do. Check out as you normally do. It doesn't cost you anything more, and I do earn a small commission on things that you buy. Again, that's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. I really would appreciate it, and thank you so much. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 185 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for today's episode. And as usual, I've got a few things to talk about. The number one thing being, I am exhausted and I will get into that in a little bit. But before I get into that, I did want to mention this. Some sad news for my family. My cousin Gary Grunin passed away on Father's Day earlier this week. And I am recording this on Saturday. And I know I'm a couple days later than normal. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. But Gary passed away on Father's Day. He had two kids, Scott and Sarah, my, also my cousins, obviously. And... All along his journey while he was in the hospital and he had surgery and things like that, I was following along. And early on, I I would message his wife, Jean, almost every day to see how he was, what's happening, everything good, and so forth. And I finally thought, you know what? This is getting a little crazy. I can't keep doing this every day because I know I'm not the only one doing it. And I thought, well, I'll just keep watching for updates on Facebook, which I did. And I started to log into Facebook multiple times per day, whether it's on my phone. And it was just to check to see how Gary was doing. And I was so hopeful. At one point, he was getting ready to, it seemed like he was getting better. He was going to get ready to go home. And then he had a setback. And after that setback, I don't think he ever got back to where he was before that. And he was transferred from a hospital in Springfield, Massachusetts to Boston, and that's where he died on Sunday. And I was, for some reason, even though I haven't seen Gary in quite a long time, his death was comparable to me to my friend Chris Dockerty's. It wasn't somebody that I saw often. I don't think he listened to the podcast like Chris Dockerty did, but it was just somebody that I like to hear from. I always looked for his posts on Facebook. He and his wife, Jean, always traveled places. Gary went to a few Super Bowls. He was a huge Patriots fan. And the last back and forth, really long back and forth, was done uh, last summer when the Eagles were playing the Patriots in a preseason game. And we started off talking about that, but it evolved into a few other things as we were as we were going back and forth. And it was a, it was a great conversation. And he was actually giving me updates on the game because I was out on a walk with Ziggy and Liz, <laughs> so it was kind of funny. He would say, "Oh, so and so just scored," or "This just happened." And then we would go back to whatever we were talking about. And I really enjoyed that. And I had, I had hoped um, at some point to get together with him. I even, long before he got transferred up to Boston, when he was in Springfield, I, I was looking at ways, how could I go visit him? I thought that would be nice to do just to say hi. Again, it's a long way from where I live to, to where the hospital was there in Springfield. He was originally from Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and that's where they lived. Uh, they also have a home in Cape Cod where my cousin Scott lives. They don't live in the same house, but they live, I guess, close. I don't know how close. And then they, the cool thing is 
they inherited a place in Florida, and it was the same place that when my parents bought in Florida, my aunt and uncle bought in Florida, and they were the unit right above my parents. And, uh, and, and every time I think of it, all I could think of is Building 109, Apartment 210 was my folks, and my aunt yet and Uncle Keeve, Gary's parents, they were apartment 310. So it was always cool to be down there. When they would come down, they would come down, I guess, when the kids were on spring break. And the one thing about Gary, all of my first cousins are older than me. My parents got married later. So most of my first cousins are between 10 and 18 years older than me. I don't think there's any younger and I don't think there's any older. I, I guess there may be some older. But it was... Um, it was always great to see them when they were down there in Florida. We would visit when, when I was a kid, we would go up to Massachusetts, uh, to Pittsfield, which I always loved doing to visit my aunt and uncles, but two aunts, two uncles. Um, that's where my aunt Jane and uncle Al also lived. Aunt Jane is who Jane is named after. Um, and it was just, it was just always great to see them. They would come down and visit Gary's brother, Lenny, he would come down with his kids and wife to visit. And it was always great to get together with them. But it, I don't know why it has been, I don't want to say difficult, but again, because I don't, even though we were not really close, it just seemed like I, I was, there was just something about it that I, I can't put my finger on to how it affected me. I, as I would say to Liz, I would, I would tell Liz, I said, oh, here's what's going on with Gary today. I don't know that she ever met Gary. You know, we've been married 32 years, so maybe, we, maybe she did. I don't know. I don't remember if it, if it was. It was probably back in the 90s. It was just sad to me. I was, just, I was sad to hear it. I will post a link to his obituary in the show notes of this. The next item I wanted to get to is a little bit different and obviously not sad. Uh, I had a retina specialist appointment this past Monday. And my retina doctor, his name is Dr. Garg, and I love going to Dr. Garg because he's very thorough. He's somewhat animated when he goes through things, which I love. And uh, he always, although this past time he doesn't, but he, he comes up with these phrases that stick with, <laughs> that stick with Liz and I. Uh, the first one he ever mentioned to me was cuckoo bananas. And so we say that all the time when something is really off craziness. And, um, so I went to him. It was my yearly checkup, and I know that I had mentioned a couple of months ago that I had gone to see someone else in his office because he wasn't on before my cornea transplant surgery. And I went right before my appointment because I didn't want to have the cornea transplant if there was some sort of retina issue in there. And I, as I've mentioned before, I've got this line, this dark line, roughly at the horizon on my nasal side, down along the edge just past what would be the south pole of my eye. And it's not huge, and it's not really bothersome. To me, when I saw it, after talking to all these folks doing interviews on White Canes Connect, and when they talk about retina and some of the things they've noticed, it just made me nervous. He had a look, and I explained everything to him, and I, I said, you know, I'm just worried it's another detached retina, and you got to go in and fix it, and so forth and so on. And he checked, and he checked. He kept looking and doing, and... One of the, I don't know, mantras of my entire life is, I've never seen anything like that before. And for me, I've never seen anything like that before because, you know, I don't see very well. But when other people say it, it's they're usually experienced people, whether they're a plumber or an electrician or an attorney or a doctor. I get, I hear that all the time with 
all sorts of stuff. And with this, he said, and this is kind of like that, but not exactly. Here's what he told me. He said, I see what the issue is. He said, sometimes there are folds in the retina that then develop into a crease. And I'm familiar with this because my previous cornea, the girl cornea that I had that I just got taken out in April that was 83 years old-ish, because we don't know exactly when her birthday was. I got the cornea when the cornea was 69. I had it for a little over 13 years. Again, don't know exactly how old, but in that ballpark, 83-ish. Well, when that one got unpacked into my eye, there was a little crease, and I noticed it because it, I don't want to say it messed up my vision. It, it created a little difference in my vision, and because I already have very little vision, it was very noticeable to me. And he said, he kind of referenced that, he said, which you don't have anymore, obviously, because you've got the new cornea. So he said, this is very similar. It's a crease that has developed in your retina, and there's nothing I can do about it. I said, oh, so is it, will it do any harm? He said, other than that, what you see now, no. Which I thought was great news. And then he said to me, he said this. He said, in 99% of patients that have this, no one ever mentions it. In fact, you may be the first one that have, has mentioned seeing something like this, especially in that part of your eye. <laughs> and... It was the equivalent, I thought, of, I've never seen anything like that before. I just thought it was funny, and I started to laugh. And I even think I mentioned there, during the appointment, I think I had turned to Liz and said, I've never seen anything like that before. And I don't know if I explained it to the doctor, but I then he then asked if I had any other questions. And at the time, I had a cut on my hand. Uh, when Ziggy and I were playing in the backyard, he was running full steam at me, with a ball in his mouth, and I tried to grab it out of his mouth, but I didn't grab the ball enough, and his tooth went into my hand and just kind of, like, did this, I don't know, one or one and a half inch cut that was very deep that I could feel as it was going in and the skin ripping and so forth and so on. And I was worried that there was an issue there because my hand hurt besides the cut part of it. And when he said he couldn't take a look at that, it wouldn't help. <laughs> I said, okay, then I'm good. That's all I've got for you. And just to finish up the thought on the cut, it seems to be healing okay. There's a bump there, which is kind of weird, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to another eye doctor on Friday. Maybe he'll take a look. And that's going to be for my cornea transplant uh, checkup. So the last thing I want to talk about before I get into White Canes Connect and the episode that will come out who knows when because I'm a little slow in editing it is this. I know I'd mentioned pretty recently, that I was going to start working with someone about the BEP, and that's the Business Enterprise Program, which is something that is actually was created by an act of Congress back in the late 1930s, and it's part of the Randolph-Shepard Act, which allows blind folks to operate businesses and within state and federal buildings. And I've wanted to get in this, and I know I had an episode where I talked about it a little more. I've wanted to get into this, but in Pennsylvania, since the pandemic, they are taking no new cases. And even if you have started 
you cannot move forward because there's no way to do training and there is no way to continue on that process. They don't have enough folks in their office anymore. I, I don't remember what the staff usually is, but they only have a skeleton crew at this point. So when I got a call from Kirk Hunger, and actually the call first came from, from NFB of Pennsylvania president, Lynn Heights, saying that Kirk needed help, I was kind of mistaken by thinking he was calling because he was having trouble finding people to work at his place. And that's part of it. He needed more employees. But it was also done, it seems, to help me train and learn this business. And again, this business, which I have recently dubbed a blind bodega, because it basically is a small convenience store within the William Green Federal Building at 6th and Arch in Philadelphia. And it's maybe 500 square feet, and we sell hot dogs and sodas and chips and nuts and some cereal and coffee and tea and stuff like that. It's basically, again, a convenience store or a bodega. If you're familiar with a bodega, it's, it's like that. We don't make any kind of sandwiches there other than the hot dogs. And there's three kind of hot dogs that we sell. Plain Nathan's hot dog, skinless. We have a Nathan's <laughs> cheddar and jalapeno. And then we have this spicy sausage, which is, a, is the big seller. Uh, we sold 16 of those on Thursday. And, and they're all all beef, by the way. All three of them, even the sausage is not pork, which was good because we had a couple of Muslim guys come in and they really wanted to get the sausage. And they said, oh, we can't get that sausage. And I said, why not? And they said, well, it's pork, right? And I said, no, I said, it's beef. And I don't think they believed me. And the person who was training me happened to come up and I, I said to her, her name is Michelle. I said, Michelle, all, all these items are all beef. Is that correct? And they, and she said, yes. And then they went and bought them. So they were happy, and uh, we were glad to make that sale. But that's basically what, what I'm doing. I'm learning how that business operates. Now, this is not the part of the BEP that I'm interested in. The other portion of Kirk's business is a vending business within the Green Building. Now, Kirk also has another location at the IRS Building close to 30th Street Station in Philadelphia, also with a bodega and vending machines. I don't want any parts of the bodega, none at all. I'm not interested, although I have to tell you that I think it would be cool to serve more things. They have this warmer that I, I was thinking, you know, if we could get pizzas or something like that in there. Some people come in and look around and wonder, oh, I'm just looking for something that I want. I don't know if that would work, uh, but I'd love to try it. I'd love to see if it works. That and the fact I'd love to have Liz bake cookies or something and see if they would sell. <laughs> just because she loves baking stuff, and then I wouldn't have to eat them all, which is not good for me. I mean, they taste good, don't get me wrong. I like eating them, but I have to pace myself one a day. In fact, today, and again, I'm recording this on Saturday because the one I recorded on Friday, just I, after editing it, I thought, you know what? I can't release that. It sucks. So I'm doing an abbreviated version today so that I can get it published and move on to some of the other things that I've got to do and get done over the weekend because I just don't have the time during the week. My day starts at the 
job at 7.15 in the morning. I wake up at 4.30, I get out the door by 6, and get on the train and then walk over to the building. And, it, and it's nice. The, the walk is not a difficult one. It's only about five blocks. And I thought the other day while I was walking over there how great it was that I'm out and about again on my own and I'm able to do this and I have the confidence to do it. And now it hasn't been raining terribly while I was walking. So maybe on those days when it's pouring down, I might not be so happy to be walking on my own and finding my own way. But on these last, these first three days, it was that way. So I walked from the train station at Jefferson, Jefferson Station, which is at 10th and Filbert, and I make my way over to 6th and Arch. So not too many streets to cross. It's, again, a fairly easy walk. And again, I like being out on my own. And, and it's just been, the business itself is not difficult, but some aspects of it are. I can't see what the product is when they bring it up. I use the scanner and I some, sometimes can't find the barcodes. We actually sell these lollipops. I, I think they're dum-dums. I'm not quite sure. The barcode is on the stick. And it is almost impossible for me to find the barcode and then when I find the barcode, actually scan it. In fact, this one guy who keeps buying them, he ends up holding it for me so, so I don't keep searching for it. And it's a little bit faster that way. So I do all that and... I've learned how to do the hot dog machine, both in the back, and then, then I put the stuff in buns, and I put them in these aluminum, aluminum sleeves and put them in the warmer out front um, and all that. And it's, it's gone pretty well so far. Again, not happy with the hours, and it, it's a temporary, and when I say temporary, hopefully only a few months thing because it's just pushing everything else back. I've got two websites that I'm working on, as I mentioned, and that doesn't include any of the any of my own sites that I've been working on and trying to fix. Uh, ICan'tSeeYou.com still needs to be 100% finished, which it's not. I should hopefully finish the Blind Tech Show site soon, and I'm working on another one called Flight for Sight, and... Then I've got, like I said, a few of my own that I want to work on and that I've got to work on if I ever want to be out of the trading time for money and so forth. The other portion of the BEP, the one that I'm interested in and now that Liz has done at Walden, is a vending business. And I would love to have a place that has vending machines, whether it's the rest stops along the interstates, whether it's in a state or public, uh, sorry, federal building where there's only a few stops, Liz and I can do it on our own. She would be the employee and obviously be able to drive and we'd be able to load the machines ourselves. It's not something that you have to be at at a specific time. It's not something where you have to have other employees, which I said that I never wanted again. And it's not something that, other than lifting the stuff, that's too difficult. You find the vendor for the product, you put the product in the machine, once they sell, you reload, and you go on. If it's something that doesn't sell, you try to get the best you can out of it, and then you put something else in its place that sells better. I'm familiar with vending. We did it in the video store, and it did very well. The, the few years that we did it there, where we had not just the football helmet ones and uh, gumballs and things like that, we had a Coke machine, we had a Pepsi machine, 
and we had a crane machine, although the crane machine was not ours. That was an, obviously an easy one. Somebody else managed that and gave us half of whatever was collected. But we did very well with that for a few years where it brought in thousands and thousands of dollars. And so I'm hoping that in these machines that, that we eventually get involved in, and who knows how long it's going to be, but we are, it would be something that Liz and I could do on our own. And again, we could do it whenever we wanted. And we're not trading time for money. And we're not relying on an employee that could completely tank our business or steal from our business like I've had, and especially with salon supplies. Um, you know, that did us in. That uh, couple of folks that we had there uh, one with theft and one with just not showing up. And now I understand and get it that that's a big thing. And I don't want to deal with that again. And I've mentioned that before. And I'm, I'm hoping that things move forward. Now, on another note, with that, our neighbors had put their house up, which I may have mentioned. I actually think I put it in the show notes last week. It's sold. It's under contract, which is great. And kind of makes me want to put our house on the market. But I don't know where we'd move. <laughs> And it's expensive to move. So we got to figure out a full plan before we decide we're going to do that. And I've mentioned a million times that I want to live at the beach where it's warm. And I don't know that I'm wobbling a little to just leave out the warm and just go to the beach. I've wanted this for a while. And, and one of the things with my cousin Gary's death made me think time is ticking, whether it's tomorrow or 15 years from now, the clock is ticking. We're closer to death <laughs> than birth. And I don't want to keep putting it off. I would love to go and investigate Costa Blanca, Costa del Sol, Costa Tropico. In Spain, I'd love to go visit the entire coast along the French Riviera and French coast from Côte d'Azur all the way uh, heading heading west, past what's considered the Riviera. I'd love to look at the Italian Riviera, just across the border, San Remo, and places along there. I would consider heading to the southern portion of, of Italy as well, again, along the coast. And I've been listening to a podcast that I somehow and soon will do this, especially since I'm, there's more time out of my house and more things that I'm hearing. I'm listening to this podcast called... I'm moving to Italy. And it's a great podcast. He's been doing it for three years. I'm only on episode 12 because I just found it a few weeks ago. And I've been going back and forth uh, with the host. His name is Nathan. He does this thing called Surrounding Sounds, which I thought, why didn't I ever think of that? And I first got the idea when my friend Simon Bonenfant had talked about it when I had I noticed a picture of him on Facebook with his folks at a Phillies game. And I said, oh, were you listening to the play-by-play -play on your phone or on a radio or something? Is that what I saw? And he said, no, I'm recording stuff so that I could go back and listen and remember being at the event. And I thought that was very cool. And then I started, and it was right around the same time I was listening, I, I started listening to I'm Moving to Italy. And I thought, wow, that is a great idea because one thing that I've always wanted to do while I'm out and about was 
video myself being out and about. I, here's this blind guy walking down the street with the cane tapping, and maybe that would get annoying to some. In fact, yesterday when I was walking from work to the train, there was a lady with two kids, and I was not close to them, but I was within a few feet. They finally pulled off, the, the lady pulled the kids away, so, and they stopped for a second so I could pass, because I think I was driving her nuts with the cane. <laughs> I don't know if it, they thought a monster was following them, and I mean, I could be. But they didn't like it because they continued to follow me after I passed them. And I wasn't that close. I wasn't close to touching the kids with the cane or the, her with the cane. I guess she just didn't like the noise or was nervous, whatever. But I thought that was funny. But hearing the sounds of everything that go on that I hear as I'm going to the job or I'm going to the train or when I go and bring up a sale or when I go and make the hot dogs or when I go and do something else, uh, I think that would be kind of cool. So uh, it's just a matter of getting some equipment that I could use to record on my phone or getting some sort of recorder otherwise or figuring something out where, again, I don't want to be, have to hold something, whether it's a mic or a camera with, you know, holding my phone. I, I just can't do that because it's hard enough to hold my cane the whole time. So we'll see. Hopefully I'll get that and I will start incorporating that. And I have to come up with a good name for it because I can't use surrounding sounds. Nathan has used that and I don't want to copy him, even though I am. And again, kind of copying Simon too. And I talked to Simon today about it a little bit. And he really likes doing it. He doesn't have a podcast of his own. He is on Blind Abilities occasionally, actually more than occasionally. And he is on um, White Canes Connect every so often. And we hope to have him on more, especially since he'll be at the convention and hoping he'll get some interviews and things like that for us while he's there. But I think it would be a cool idea. And it kind of will give you the idea of of what I'm doing as I'm going from point A to point B or as I'm helping someone in the store or going through security at this building. And the building, again, is the William Green Federal Building with offices for the DEA and FBI and things like that. And it's attached to a courthouse, which is, I think, the federal courthouse for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. It just would be fun and would kind of give you an idea of how it sounds as when I'm walking with the cane scraping along the floor or the pavement or whatever it is. So we'll see if I can find something and uh, so it's hands-free so I don't have to touch it. I also, Simon's goes over his ears, which I'm a little leery to block the sound because I have to pay so close attention to everything around me because I can't see. And obviously he does as well. Uh, and he said it doesn't really affect him. So I'll, I'll have to take a look and see what I could find and come up with something, but I would definitely love to do that, and I think it would be fun. The last thing I wanted to mention, if I get things together, and, and again, I am exhausted. My days are so off because of when I get up and when I get home that I've tried to do some things at night, but it's been tough. Thursday night, I did an interview for White Canes Connect, and that's why I didn't record my podcast, this podcast, that night. So, It'll take me a while to get settled in. I appreciate you being patient with it. But this week's episode of White Canes Connect, if I ever get it edited, is our one-year anniversary episode. And Lisa and Stacy and I talk about the different guests that we've had on and our favorite shows and our favorite stories and all the different countries 
where folks have downloaded White Canes Connect. And I thought it was a lot of fun doing that. And I kind of think that we could do episodes on our own without a proper guest and just talk about different things in the blindness community that affect folks, blind folks in Pennsylvania. And we'll see how that goes and we'll see what goes on with that. But that's going to be episode 39 of White Canes Connect. Hopefully we'll drop by tomorrow. We'll see. Fingers crossed. I don't remember how much editing needs to be done. And I've just been so slow with doing everything because I've been tired and I've had a super busy weekend trying to get some websites done. I've got more stuff tomorrow between a Keystone board meeting and a couple of other things. So hopefully I'll get it done before I go to bed tomorrow night at 1130, I hope. Hopefully it won't be too much later than that. So I do appreciate you listening. You can connect with me via email at ICan'tSeeYouPodcast at gmail.com. That's ICan'tSeeYouPodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out by phone. You can call 646-926-6350. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know your thoughts, any questions, comments, show ideas, or if you are blind or visually impaired, any kind of tips you might have on ways you do things around the house or while you're out and about that make it easier for you and that may make it easier for others. That would be great to hear from you on that. Again, 646-926-6350. Please reach out. If you do leave a message, please leave your name in town, even if you want to leave a rating or a, I'm sorry, even if you want to leave a review and tell me how great you think this show is or how bad you think this show is, I'd love to hear it. And I will play it as long as the audio quality is good. Uh, the content could be just okay, but as long as the audio quality is good, I'll probably put it on. Uh, I've never had anyone swear on this, <laughs> which I find hard to believe, uh, swear on this podcast, but even if you cursed, I'd probably allow it and just slap the explicit, (laughs) uh, I almost said sticker, but it's not really a sticker. Remember how they used to put those on CDs? Would be like the explicit tag, I guess you would say. But I do appreciate you listening to episode 185 of the I Can't See You podcast. Remember, show notes can be found at ICan'tSeeYou.com slash 185. Remember, I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash 185. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please stay safe, be well, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.